Friend, today I have an interesting question for you. Why do people perish? Why do you think people perish? In this case, perishing can mean a lack of life, something not blossoming and not prospering the way it's supposed to. So say if you have a flower, you expect that it will bloom, but it's not blooming, you're having a stale flower. Why do people perish? Do you think they perish because they come from a poor background? Do they perish because they're from a third world country? Do they perish because they work in a company that doesn't recognize their skill, doesn't recognize their talent? Do they perish because the government will do nothing about it? Why do you think people perish? And so today I present to you Hosea 4.6. My people perish not because of all those reasons that I've mentioned, but the word says that my people perish because of lack of knowledge. And that is why Lavi in Christ is here. So that we find out this knowledge that may be causing some areas in our lives not to prosper as God has said they should prosper. So come on, grab your mug, turn up the volume, Whatever it is you're doing, wherever it is you're listening from, welcome, tune in, be very attentive, open up your spirit to receive from God. Because today we are talking about a very hot topic and that is how do you show up? How do you show up? So last week we talked about identity, just finding out who we are in Christ and finding out um who he has called us to be, you know. And we talked about some of the limiting factors that we have in life that are making us not live up to the identity that Christ has given us. And so today we want to talk about how do we show up as these people who have understood who they are in Christ, how do we show up to the world? And are we showing up as less than who God has called us to be? Or are we showing up as who in the fullness of the glory that God has called us to be? So come on in, welcome to the episode, and yo, have your expectations up to the sky because this is going to be lit. Hi guys, welcome to La Vie in Christ by Viv. A podcast where we figure out life in Christ and just share our Christian day-to-day experiences. Have you ever felt overwhelmed by the things that God has put in your heart? Okay, if there's anything I think we can all agree about the dreams of God for our lives, it's that they are not small at all and at some point they can feel very intimidating but have you ever found yourself let's say for example you're trying to explain to your friends or just to the people around you the things that you have in your heart that you want to accomplish in this life but every time you try do that you end up dumbing them down just reducing the magnitude of how you see them in your heart so that people don't look at you and say, ah, you know, you're just being overambitious, you know, you are trying to achieve too much. But I mean, look at your life. You don't even have this. You don't even have that. How can you say that? Oh, I'm going to do this. Let's say if it's your dream, for example, to 
put out music that's going to be featured in like so many charts globally but then people are like ah you don't even have you're, you're not even signed up with any recording company how can you say ah at my music it's going to be on these billboards blah 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 i mean you don't even have money to record <laughs> your first album not even an album to record an ep or even a single and you're here telling us about you know you wanting your music to be featured on every chart or let's say for example it's your dream to be a producer and to have your film or up in i don't know all those streaming sites you know and you're telling people you know this is what i want to do this is what's in my heart but then you feel the need to dumb them down because of let's say the remarks that people actually make to you about your goals your dreams being so out of this world you know and them comparing where you are at in life to where you're going. Maybe you're trying to start a business and people are saying, ah, you, you've never started anything in your life. And right now you want to say, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Ah, who are you kidding? You know? And so that's what I want to talk about. Because you notice over time now, because of the things that people have said, and also because at some point in your subconscious mind, you get so convinced to start looking at your current state you know because you sit down now let's say um in the evening now when you're just thinking through your day and you sit down and you say okay god i know you said you want me to start this business i know you're calling me to start this youtube channel and you know it's going to bring so much benefit to people but you know my friends are not lying my friends are not lying the people around me are not lying family is not lying they are being realistic because i know they like me i know they love me it's coming from a place of love they're being realistic i mean look at me right now say i want to start this youtube channel the only phone that i have can't even take that kind of quality of videos that i want to do you know like realistically i also don't think like i can make it to that point then just follow my train of thought you notice that after a while you start speaking realistically quote-unquote yeah you dumb down your dreams so much to the point where now even how you show up to people you already feel insufficient because you are looking at where you are at in life to the point of even when you approach people and you're talking to them now concerning the things that God has put in your heart, you realize that ah, you're making a statement, but you, you, you have to put that caveat, you know? You have to put that clause that says, ah, but you know, just, say, say, we're just doing with what we can. You know this life now. You see, like, that's the thing I want us to just talk about and be real about. How are we showing up to people, you know? There's something I listened to recently that I found to be very profound. That when a baby comes in to this world, they come in as a blank canvas. They literally don't know about the limitations of this world. Most of those limitations, they learn over time. So take an example of poverty. When a baby comes in, they don't know that they are poor. But they learn poverty because of their socialization, because of their environment. That's why when you put two babies together, whether one is coming from a poor background and the other one is coming from a rich background, you find that that is the last thing in their mind that, oh, you know, this, this one is poor, this one is rich, and so I'm like this and this. Until they get to a certain age in life and you find that now they start showing those characteristics. Why is that? Let's say it's because... 
you find that the rich baby will grow up being told, you know, seeing how they receive things in life, you know, everything they ask for, they get. Then you find, let's say the other one who grows up in a poor background, every time, say, they ask for something, they're told, ah, you know, you can't have this. Why? Because we are poor, you know? And when they ask questions like, why is my friend so-and-so having this and I can't have this? And they're told things like, you know, they are rich and we are poor. This baby did not know anything about them being poor until they started being taught. Or when they're going to school, they're told things like, ah, you know, when you go to school, uh, don't be sleeping like those other kids. Uh, I don't want you to find you. You're just playing around like those other kids. Remember your background. Remember where you come from. Remember who you are, you know, as we are poor. So we have to work so hard in order to get to the level that we want to get. Remember, this baby did not, did not know nothing about them being poor or about them not being able to have... um to do certain activities like their peers because they're poor until they got taught. So you find that over a period of time, that mentality has been so ingrained in them. And then when they grow up, the only thing they can think of is we are poor. Okay, say they do very well and they make so much money in life, but you find that they just have these habits of poverty. Like they just have a poverty mindset despite having so much money. It's because that mindset has now been ingrained, ingrained in them. And you find that it's very likely that when they give birth, they might end up being on the extreme end of, you know, this is what I went through in life. I don't want my kids to go through anything like that in life ever again. To the point where now they take it to the extreme. Now the kids don't even know responsibility or what they're supposed to be doing in life. They're just so spoiled or they still pass on that same mentality. So even though wealth has come in, they're still acting from a certain mentality. So you, the situation that you end up having is a rich man, rich in all aspects. They have the wealth, they have all this, but they show up as a poor man because their mentality is a poverty mentality let me give you another example um have you ever been rejected <laughs> like proper rejection i'll say um say you are in a relationship that things didn't work out i know this experience very well things didn't work out and say that situation just left you feeling rejected or you were on the receiving end <laughs> receiving end of the bad stuff you find that if that goes unchecked and if you don't reaffirm your identity if you don't go back to the word to find out who god says you are and if you missed the episode, just go back to the previous episode that we did on identity and just find out what the word of God has to say. But you find that when you get to a new space now, hey, you've met this girl that you like, you know, the vibe is right. Or you have met this, um, this guy, you know, everything is right. But because all those rejections that you have had in your past have gone unchecked, you find that it's very easy to self-sabotage. You know, because how are you showing up? You are coming because you have all this undealt rejection in you. You are showing up as a rejected human being before even someone rejects you. So you find that you end up self-sabotaging the relationship. Your activities, how you speak, you know, how you act, 
everything is speaking rejection before your rejection on the other end you reject yourself first so that this person does not have the opportunity to reject you in the sense so when they actually reject you because that's the seed that you're planting remember we talked about seed in the first episode that's a seed that you're planting you know you're planting expectations for rejection so when the reaping season comes and <laughs> things don't go as planned and say this guy actually this guy this chick actually ends up rejecting you and your your reaction becomes something like ah you know it feels bad to be rejected but you know what i at least i saw that coming at least i guarded my heart we confuse guarding our hearts and actually building walls we confuse between the two because you rejected yourself first you feel like the pain is not that much but you realize that if you continue showing up like that over a specific period of time you'll start asking yourself questions like why am i not getting why is it that my relationships never work this can be in the form of friendship you know why is it that i never really get any friends that are long lasting you know friends that i can say have my back you know friends that i can say are there for me why don't i get this you know how are you showing up once again friend how are you showing up this is a question i'm trying to use all the examples so that we have an understanding of exactly what i am trying to say so that even as you're thinking and you're listening you think through your life and you identify those areas that you are showing up as less than who God is calling you to be and you see the effects of just exactly what you're doing to your life. Another common example, um, it's something that I see in the workplace that I know also me. <laughs> I've been a part of that statistics at some point in my life is because you have not understood the kind of value that God has placed in you, like we talked about last time, the kind of capacity that he has placed in you 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 settle so easily you ask for so little you feel like people are doing you a favor by offering you the bare minimum you feel like just courtesy that's supposed to be day-to-day activity sorry let me just go back to that um, relationship front for one second people Normal human beings that are healthy, that are whole, are courteous people. (laughs) Ideally, if you're living by the word, you are a courteous human being. But because, say, you've been used to just the rough end, you've been character developed to a certain level where even someone just being courteous to you, it feels like you get confused very easily and all of a sudden you feel like, you know, this person is doing me such a great favor to the point where now when you actually start seeing the red flags that, you know, this is not a good relationship. You know, there are so many red flags. This can easily turn toxic. You you can't even take a step because you settle so easily. <laughs> when you hear me talking passionately about this, it's because I've been in that situation. And now looking back, I just keep wondering, okay. What was I seeing? What was I really seeing in this relationship in the first place? You know, like right now I am trying to look. hmm? I'm trying to look and I can't find it. It's because at that level in my life, I felt like just bare minimum. Ha, you're gone. You are gone. Murife, 
has run away. You are gone. <laughs> and those are the things we are here to talk about. So back to the workplace example. You settle for so little to the point where you don't even take, you, you don't trust the capacity that God has built in you. You don't trust the skill set that you're bringing to the workplace. You do double the work for even less <laughs> than the pay that's supposed to be given for the kind of work that you do. So I'm not talking about um, you not being prudent and understand that in some seasons in life, you're actually there for the learning purpose. I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about you not putting in the work, you not putting in the effort and demanding for things that are way beyond you right here. I'm talking about the fact that you feel like everyone is doing you. You, you can't even negotiate properly. You can't even package whatever it is that is in you and bring it to the table and demand for what you feel is due. Because, I mean, when you look inside, pure damage. <laughs> The, the the word of God just needs to sit in you properly so that you understand that you are the light of the world, the city set on our hill. So I just wanted to give practical examples of how this looks like in our day-to-day day -day life so that when we talk about things like identity, when we talk about letting that word wash over all the pain, the pain people, wash over all all the things that you have believed that have no bearing with the word of God, you know, casting away all those thoughts that are in disobedience to Christ. When we talk about these things, you can see their effects in the world. You can see how they affect you, you know, me included. You can see how these things play out. So that's the thing. In this episode, I just wanted to highlight um to highlight areas in our lives that are quite prominent, that are quite common, and just help us see how important it is for us to be grounded in that identity, you know? So that when God says that the wisdom of Christ is in you, you enter into a room knowing that I bring the wisdom of Christ. You know, if it says that you have an action from on high, you know all things, you enter into a room knowing that, listen, I may not be very qualified for this position that God has put me in, but he has put the capacity of me knowing what to do. He has put the Holy Spirit in me that teaches me all things, that helps me know what to do. And even as I enter this room, I am not entering apologetically for things I'm not supposed to apologize for, you know. I am entering in the confidence that I have God's backing. I am entering in the confidence that I can win because God has my back. So now I just want to give us example from the word so that we see that <laughs> these troubles did not start today. So the first person that I would look at is King Saul. So Saul loses his donkeys when he's with his servants and he goes to look for Samuel so that he can tell them where the donkeys are since Samuel is a prophet. But at this time, God has already told Samuel that this guy that is coming to meet you is actually the person that I have anointed to be king over Israel. So when Saul comes to Samuel and they talk, Samuel makes a statement to Paul, sorry, to Saul, and this is what he says. This is in 1 Samuel 9, 20 to 21. 
But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and all your father's house? So the desire of Israel here meaning that at this point, the Israelites wanted to be like the other nations. The other nations had kings, but Israel was purely led by God. And so they saw these other people are like this. Even though they didn't understand that these nations were living in an inferior realm to them, they decided, you know what, we want to be like everybody else, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, can you relate? And we living in the same times? We want to be like everybody else, so give us a king. And so God uh, chooses Saul and he tells Samuel, you know, this guy is actually the king. Let us understand something here, guys. God cannot call you to do something that he has not created capacity in you to do god is not an unjust god that he's going to demand something in you that he has not created capacity in you and that is why when you read the scripture mostly when god was calling someone that we will describe as highly unlikely he started off by calling them something that they were not because the nature is he calls he calls Things that are not as though they were. So look at the example of Gideon. When he comes to Gideon, who's very timid, who's very scared, the first thing that God calls him is mighty man of war. Why is that? Because God knows he has already put capacity in Gideon to be a mighty man of war. So back to the story of Saul. Is it not on you and all your father's house? And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and all your father's house? And Saul answered and said, Listen, people, this is the king. Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak like this to me? But God, I know you're calling me to change the world. Am I not from a third world country? Listen, am I not even from... A country that has so much corruption to the point where by the time I get to government, will I make it? Eh? Are you not, you know, are you not, um, are you not being unrealistic here? And the story goes on to the point where now um, Samuel goes in front of all the Israelites and he now wants to publicly choose Saul. And that's in 1 Samuel 10, 21 to 22. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by the families, the family of Matri was chosen, and Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord Father, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, There he is, hidden among the equipment. In another version, it even said, <laughs> He's hidden among the luggage. There is your king, hiding, hiding people. It's so easy to read this story of Saul and think, ah, Saul, Saul, come on, unachoma picha, but not see how most of us actually act the same way in this life, giving the same excuses. But the main thing I want us to capture is how this played out in now the kingship of Saul, because this went unchecked. You find that now we have a king that's so sold out to proving to the people that he can actually be a king instead of being a king that God has chosen and fulfilling the purposes of God. So you find that it comes to a point where um, 
they go out in battle and Samuel tells Saul, you know, you guys don't fight until I come and I offer the sacrifice. But now when Saul realizes that the people are getting anxious, you know, the people are getting scared out of the fear of the people, he goes on ahead to give the sacrifice, even though that was the role of the priest. So you find that because of that insecurity of his identity, feeling like, ah, I'm not qualified. Imposter syndrome. <laughs> I am coming from the least tribe, you know? And even during his inauguration, some people were mocking him and saying that, ah, you know this guy, what can he really do? He's in this soul. Hmm? See, he's coming from this neighborhood out here and right now he wants to talk as if, uh, I don't know, he owns the world. Yeah, people are telling you, ah, you, come on, we know your family, we know your past, we know your history. We know you, my friend. Hmm? And because you have not taken the time to cast down those thoughts to the obedience of Christ, it's the same way. You live life trying to prove a point. You live life trying to prove a point. So it finds like you are constantly in a race that you've not been called to run. But when you ask yourself, why am I doing all these things? Why am I making all these decisions? Why am I doing five jobs? Others say, I don't even have time to think. I am constantly stressed. You have ulcers. You can't eat. <laughs> why? It's because... I, I want to show off. Why do I want to show off? It's because I want to prove to people. I might have been coming from this background, but yeah, I made it. I am now manifesting. But listen. Listen. <laughs> and listen very well, people. If these things go unchecked, and if that's the kind of showing up that we are doing to the world, you end up being in very frustrating spaces in your life. You know, constant comparison with other people. Trying to prove a point that, in all honesty, nobody cares about. You know, the people who care about, they're so concerned about their your life that they're not even running their own lives. Those are not people who should be counting for your decision making. But why is that? It's because we have not learned to see ourselves the way God sees us. So it robs you of even the capacity of being you. You're constantly beating yourself down. God has called you to be a leader. You are comparing yourself to so and so. God has called you to a very good job. You are comparing yourself to all your peers because you want to prove a point. You have a good family. You can't even settle in. Enjoy your marriage. Enjoy all these things because you're in constant state you're in a constant state of comparison and that was what was going on with Saul. You, you, even you, when you look at the leadership of Saul, and when you look at the kind of decisions that this guy was making you can see they were just rash decisions you know coming from a place of just fear and before i close this case the other example the other example that I would like to give is the example of the Israelites. So God has taken these people through the wilderness and now they come to the promised land. You know, the land of milk and honey that they have waited for for all these years. And so the Israelites decide to send spies to see. Hmm. This land that you're telling us, is it really there? Hmm? Is the title deed there? So they send these people. And so I, I just want to read that for you this portion. That's Numbers 13, 26 to 33. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. 
they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land they told him and said we went to the land where you sent us it truly flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit nevertheless the people who dwell in the land are strong the cities are fortified and very large moreover we saw the descendants of Anak there, yeah? The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours it, its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. So just to give a bit of background, yeah? So these people have gone to the land. They have seen the land is there. It has the milk and honey that God has said it has. But because they saw the giants and because they felt so inferior, let me tell you, one thing that we don't notice is that this inferiority complex did not start when they saw the giants. Mm -hmm. Remember, these people had been slaves for so many years was it 400 these people had been slaves for so many years they had never been a nation they had never had their own army they had never had their own leaders they were always being told what to do they were always being pushed around they were always so used to the bare minimum to almost nothing at all at a bare minimum limingi to almost nothing at all so when these people come and now they have to enter into the land that god has given them we see them saying things like you know those guys are giants those guys are so huge you know we we, we were like kwanza utter not those guys their land itself was going to swallow us and we were like grasshoppers in their own sight you know and this is the thing that I want us to understand. The areas in your life that you have not brought in alignment with the identity that God says and declares over your life are the same areas where you're likely to project to the other person who doesn't necessarily bear the same ideas of who you are. So these people, because they saw themselves as grasshoppers, they immediately concluded that these other people are also seeing us as grasshoppers but when you actually continue to read in the next few chapters you find out that those people those giants living in that land were very very scared of the israelites they used to hear like you know these are the people who you know the whole of egypt drowned red sea because they tried to chase these people you know the news of the mighty works of God had already reached that point. And so these so-called giants were very scared of the Israelites. But here you have the same same Israelites telling them, telling the other people, now the spies, telling the other people that, you know what, 
We were as grasshoppers before our own eyes, and so were we before their eyes, not knowing that these people saw them differently. And that's what plays out in our lives because we don't understand the value that is in us, because we don't understand the capacity that God has put in us, because we are not entering into spaces boldly with the word of God, with who he says we are, you know, we end up concluding how other people see us. If I think the other people are not, other people are not seeing me as someone of value, then there are very low chances that I am going to demand value when I get to that table of negotiating. Hmm? If I don't, if I don't, if I don't see the what that is in me, then I am not going to ask of it when i'm in the spaces where i'm supposed to ask for my work you know you are doing something great but you're very scared of even marketing to the people for people to know that this is what i'm doing why it's because you have not embraced my your identity if you know something is of value and if you trust the value of the thing if you trust the value of what you're doing if you trust in who god says you are then you're not supposed to hesitate in entering the spaces that god has given you entering the land that god has given you i know i've talked of examples of where people were in were hesitating and they were just not showing up as god says they they are or they are supposed to so let's look at examples of people who actually showed up well the first example i would give is of king david a direct contrast to king saul the man who god points out in the word as the man after god's own heart so look at david when it comes to fighting goliath so there we have saul and his men very hesitant you know just getting trolled by this goliath and his people and the first thing that david says is yo where is that uncircumcised philistine so that's in the book of first samuel 17 26 then david spoke to the man who stood by him saying what shall be done for the man who kills this philistine and takes away the reproach from israel for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Now, this is the thing that I want us to realize about what David was saying. David did not look at, you know, this giant Goliath and here I am, just a young boy. He looked at what God says he is. God says that he is under a specific covenant that fights for him. You know that Goliath is not under. And so when he's asking who is this uncircumcised Philistine, he's asking who is this person, one who does not have the backing of God, trolling the people of God. Like what audacity is that? He pegged his identity on God and that's what gave him the strength, the courage to talk like he did. If we, are look, if we are to look at the other example of Caleb that I just mentioned, he was one of those spies that went but brought about a different report. It says, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But you find that Joshua and Caleb were almost stoned in the process of this because they spoke contrary to fear. They spoke contrary to cultural limitations. They spoke contrary to the word. 
and so that's why you can't walk around expecting everyone to agree with you expecting everyone to agree with your dreams expecting everyone to see things from where you are seeing them from because what the god in you is what speaks for you you know and so if someone is out there very laden with fear very laden with comparison very laden <laughs> so full of inferiority complex what they'll try to do is to project on you and so you need to understand who speaks into your dreams and who doesn't who defines you and who doesn't you need to draw a very clear line and understand listen i respect you okay those are your opinions but those are not facts if it's not in the word of god baby those are opinions and you know something about opinions they're like noses everyone has them and you don't have to take someone's opinion let the word of god take precedence in your life and you end up seeing the kingship of david later on in some chapters it says that david went on ahead to kill more giants you know the descendants of i think it's gath yeah and also the people who are who are around david also ended up killing more and more of those giants so you see that it created a system where more people were influenced you know to see these giants as nothing and to see them as people we can conquer in contrary to the example i gave where it's very easy for you to pass down the limitations to your children but because you stood up at that moment to embrace who you are in christ that's an inheritance that's passing on through your generation where they understand okay we may not be where we want to be but there's possibility in us you know there's the capacity in us to actually get to where god is calling us to be you see that caleb god goes uh, God goes ahead and gives him the land. That's in the book of Numbers 14, 23 to 24. God says about the other people who chose unbelief, they certainly shall not see the land of which I, so, I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of them who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. You see, God gave them inheritance. God gave them a legacy because they chose to follow god let me tell you there's this thing about false humility where you're just supposed to play down who god says you are you're just supposed to be a timid human human being or oh, wretched am i in this world now, let me tell you that is not humility my friend that mm -mm, mm -mm, throw that in the trash that's not humility humility is you agreeing with what god says because when you talk about how just a wretched human being you are and yet jesus has died for you you know yet jesus has said that you're seated with him in heavenly places then it means that you are exalting those thoughts above christ and you're saying they are superior to christ you're saying what god did is not enough you're saying what christ did was not enough and that is pride so there is nothing at humility when i'm out here just talking trash about myself do not allow anyone to fool you 
go to the word of God. If God says that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. If he says that he has created you for good works, then abound in the good works. If he says that you are above principalities and powers, then my friend, go for it. If he says that you are above and not beneath, my goodness, fly, baby, fly. Go for it. That is it. Agree with God. Agree with God and anything that is not of God, cast it down. It may take a while because some of these things, some of these limitations, it has taken you a while to learn them. And so you will have to take, <laughs> you'll have to take conscious effort to, un to unlearn them. So come on, start with that one verse. Sit on it. Sit on it. Meditate on it. Confess it. Let it saturate you to the point where if anyone says, <laughs> let me tell you, if you woke up today and no one told you you're beautiful, mm, no one texted you, hi sunshine. My goodness, the world should not end. God did it before you came even into this world, before you got into your mother's womb. He already declared, mm, beautifully and wonderfully you were made, sure. You, my friend, eh? comfort yourself in the Lord. And so just to finish off, I would want us to, I would want to make a declaration just from the word that Paul also made to the people. And that's in Ephesians, Ephesians 15 to 23. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places so may your eyes of understanding be enlightened you know may you see the richness of the glory of the inheritance of the saints may you walk boldly may every area in your life that may have been damaged by circumstances by what people have said i speak healing into those areas may the word of god wash over those areas and bring them to wholeness i declare and i decree that you are whole in the mighty name of jesus you are blessed in the mighty name of jesus your destiny is shining in the mighty name of Jesus. You are a city set on a hill. You will not be hid. They will try, but they will not manage in the mighty name of Jesus. You are a great human being. Wherever you may be in life, I don't care. You are a great human being. And in due season, we are going to see the manifestation of that greatness in the mighty name of Jesus Amen and amen. Okay, guys, don't forget to share the episode. Share with your girlfriends, share with your boys, share with your cousins, your family, your neighbors, your workmates. Share with everybody. I believe this has been a blessing to you. And so don't keep it to yourself. Share with everyone so that everyone may be blessed. Okay, peace. We are out. <laughs>